Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is happening, folks? Tons to go through with you today and this Tuesday here in the Fairways of Life show. Welcome, one and all, from wherever you are joining us or however you are consuming the show today, the audio side, the video side. I, I, you know, I have a lot of people ask me, what's the best way to get Fairways of Life? And I say, well, are you driving a car? Do you want to listen to it? Are you in a train or you, you have your, your different devices. Dom tells me nobody watches anything live anymore. And that's what we find. We're about 90, 95% on demand, I would say, uh, whether it's the TV side or the, the digital radio side or what have you. Anyway, I think the Fairways of Life app is the best way to, because the Fairways of Life app is the best way to get us, whether you want to watch the TV side or whether you want to listen to the audio side and you can get it for everything. Uh, Dom, the, the, the Fairways of Life app, because we had two apps out there, the new one is called the Fairways of Life show app, correct? Just so I have to make sure I, I'm Yes, promoting. I believe that's the name of the new app, correct. All right, thank yeah. you for that conviction. And you can, and the, I, I actually believe, if I structured it correctly, I'm no computer whiz, but I believe the old app, if you still have the old app, which I know many of you do, thousands and thousands of people are using that, uh, it still works, it's fine, you can still have it on your phone, but if you go to download our latest app, the only app available in the iPhone store and the Google Play store is our new app. So if yeah. you search for our app, you're only going to be getting the new one. There you go. And you also get complete consciousness. So uh, speaking of which, I want to go through the celebrities at Pebble Beach this week. We'll talk about that coming up in the show. Uh, Phil has given an exclusive interview, and the reaction is varied and wide. So I want to talk about that. That was with uh, Sports Illustrated, Bob Herrig. Uh, coming up in the show. Rory, we heard from yesterday. Remember, Rory won yesterday morning. And we had the video that Andrew and Dom grabbed immediately after his victory. So he was walking off the 18th green. What we didn't hear is what Rory had to say when he addressed the media at large. Let's hear it right now. Yeah, look, it's, um, I've already had so many wonderful memories around this golf course and in Dubai in general. So to to create some more today um it's just it's really cool um you know dubai's been a big part of my my career and my journey and um you know to to get my name on this trophy for a third time today and join ernie ells um is is a pretty cool feeling you exercise great patience on the front line after the turn obviously things turned into a bit of a dogfight. was it easy or tougher for you to see what was materializing ahead of you uh it was tougher in a way because, you know, like I knew that I had the chances coming up 10, 13, 17, 18. But, you know, it's tough when you see, you know, the person right in front of you birdie in those holes or eagle in those holes or whatever it is. So, you know, I felt the pressure of having to answer. And, and for the most part, I did answer. And um, but I always felt like with the, the way the back nine is here, my, my length would give me a little bit of an advantage with um, the par fives and then with 17, the drivable par four. You'll be forgiven for having a little bit of scar tissue from the 18th. It was hard to see on the coverage exactly what kind of lie you had. What was the options realistically? I didn't really feel like there was an option. Um, it was it was a tale of two lies. That behind the ball, it was all sort of down green, so I could get into the back of the ball okay with like a five or a six iron. But there was a big tuft of rough right in front of the ball, which was just going to kill any speed the ball had, you know, coming off the club face. So. 
Um, it, the only the only real decision I had was to, to, to hit a wedge and, and try to get it up and down to, to get the win. Lastly, you come into this week, admittedly, with a little bit of rust, not your A game. You must walk away with incredible positives given what you've achieved. Yeah, massive positives. I think the way I've managed my game this week, I think the short game display that I put on this week was um, as good as as good as I can remember. Um, definitely some things I need to tidy up with the long game, but um, overall, like if I can... If I can win golf tournaments of this caliber, not having my best stuff um, gives me a lot of confidence going forward. All right, so Rory McIlroy addressing the media uh, in that piece. Dob, did you ever find out if uh, the DP World Tour, formerly the European Tour, if they ever posted his complete press conference or did they just grab that two-plus minutes? Because, I mean, I thought, I thought that interview with the press at large was okay, but I just kind of feel like there was so much more to the story of what was the week that we didn't hear. And I've got to believe it was included in that press conference. And I'm wondering if it was a deliberate intent to just put out this kind of, okay, let's just put this out here. We talk about a few shots, talk about how much he loves Dubai and the golf course and just leave it at that. Well, I, well obviously we're, we're not in Dubai, so I can't confirm officially. But if you Are look at, at available transcripts and – do a little bit of digging. I actually do not believe he did a full press conference at all. Well, he didn't he speak did for the just two minutes. Interview on the green. I think so. If you look up transcripts, the the sound we heard from Rory yesterday on the 18th green when he won immediately, and what you just saw right there, are the only available transcripts from Dubai. I'm not so sure he met with anybody. Now he may have done a little. Sometimes they do what they call a scrum where. A player will go off into the corner and like five or six reporters will just attack them and just ask them 50 questions without cameras around. It happens all the time. Uh, So that may have took took place a little bit. 100% that took place. 100%. Okay, well, I haven't seen anything come out with that. and There's no transcript from that conversation. But, I mean, we have these elevated events now on the PGA Tour, Matt. We know where Rory's going to be, when and where, which is by design for the PGA Tour. So... We'll get our opportunity to absolutely pepper Roy with questions, and I love that this live stuff. Didn't uh, you is tell not me? Didn't, didn't I mean, that seem getting underway soon? Didn't that seem a little too convention and visitors bureau ish, right? You have this great There's, story, this great storyline. Yeah, you have that. You have the whole tea gate earlier, and it literally comes down to a battle between he and Patrick Reed, which, as we were talking about yesterday's show, was fun. I don't care which side you're on. Rory fan, Patrick fan, Liv fan, BJ Tour fan, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It's a no-lose situation for the golf fan. No-lose situation. <laughs> for sure. All right. So I sent out, I told you this yesterday too, Dom. I, I sent out a survey this morning, just actually a few minutes ago. Who will be world number one entering the Masters? And these were the choices because yesterday when we were talking about it, we had said Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, one and two in terms of choices. Not, I'm, not, I'm not making a judgment. I'm just telling you. That's how I listen. But then I was thinking about it later on. I was like, how could I not list Scotty Scheffler? Right? Oh, Andrew's pulling it up right now. So for as long as Scotty Scheffler was world number one, Andrew, put the how could I not up. list him? Let's see the rankings while he's talking about this. Well, he's, he's searching for the survey, so give him a second. You can I see know, it on your preview screen. There. Talking, I'm going to talk all uh, like TV-wise. Boom goes a dynamite. 
So this is the way. <laughs> this is the way the voting is coming in right now. Who will be world number one entering the Masters? And Dom, you have to let me know if you get any anything coming in now from the the live. Yeah, I, I sent out the same thing on the, for our YouTube audience. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, I asked the exact same question. Well, what do you have coming in there? You give me your results. Uh, our results are, yeah. so far, 67% yeah. are Rory McIlroy. Interesting. 33% John Rahm. 3% Scotty Scheffler. So right now it's all about Rory. 67% on your survey, my survey to the Twitterverse currently. And I realize I haven't updated it, but it's going to update when I refresh the page. But right now... It is at 65% Rory McIlroy, 29% John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler 2%, other 4%. Now I'm starting to wonder if we're not giving Scotty Scheffler the credit he deserves. Was it because he was a quiet world number one? That He's ahead of John Rahm in the rankings. Look at that's on your screen right there. Don't tell John Rahm that. Sometimes I wonder in some of these press conferences if he's going to be like one of those cartoons, John Rahm, where his head just explodes and there's just be like a fu- like fire coming out the top of his head. Because like he just keeps winning. He keeps like he's he's won like so many events. He won two in a row. He just he just fizzled out in the last event because he's exhausted or whatever. But he keeps winning. And then he sits down. And they're like, "How you feeling?" He goes, "I keep winning, but I'm not moving up in the rankings." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like when he, when he said he couldn't get in front of Patrick Cantlay. Summer Patrick Cantlay sitting back going, what did I do? So anyway, I thought you guys would find that survey of, of, of interest. Now, you have to wonder, because, because we're, we're biased by time and place, right? And you have to wonder, if I had done that exact same survey after John Rahm won, would, it, would the numbers be reversed? I have, a, I have a sense that they probably would be, but then Rory comes out, you know, first event of 23, and he wins, and everybody's like, rah, Rory. So I think it's going to be a pretty good battle. So if I can remember, I will, I will continue to keep you updated on how that survey's going as, as we progress through the show. Like I said, it, 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 I'm, trying to, I'm trying to refresh it right now. Now Rory's at 66%. As we're talking about it, he's gained a percentage on, on the So we'll, we'll continue to, to keep you updated on, on what's going on with that. You can see Rory McIlroy, of course, firmly entrenched at number one. Number two is Scotty Scheffler. Then number three is John Rahm as this continues. Uh, we will continue to tell you because we're super excited about it, about our Boeing trip. We are going to northern Michigan this summer. Talk about the perfect time of the year to be in northern Michigan. Look at this. If I showed you this drone video, didn't tell you where it was from. You made birdie on this hole, Don? I made birdie on that hole. Excellent. It's a beautiful par par five along the lake. And on the right is a huge fairway. It's a two-shot hole for me, for sure. Or a three-shot hole for me, for sure. And that shadow, just shy of that bunker, if you're watching on the TV side, I laid up to that spot, and you can see the green in the top, sort of the top right corner of that tier I hit a little wedge in there about 15 feet and drained it. Well done, Dom. Very well done. That is what the world needed to know. So these beautiful shots, as I was saying, (laughs) you could believe that you were in Scotland. 
you could believe that you are in Ireland. No, you are in Upper Michigan. It is incredible. They have 10 golf courses at Boyne Golf spread out amongst their three resorts. And we're going to take a full flavoring of many of them. We're going to play officially five rounds. But the day you arrive, if you want to play, and I can tell you we're going to, uh, there's a six-round option. We're encouraging people, bring your spouse along. Doesn't matter if he or she plays or not because there's so much to do there, so many other things. I know for a lot of people, the spa is important. Where we'll be staying, we're actually going to stay at the Boyne Mountain Resort. They have an incredible spa there. They have incredible gymnasium there. They have this really cool pool that you, you can jump in the pool. It's heated, obviously. You jump in the pool and you swim outside, which I think is particularly neat in the wintertime. You know, you like sit in the hot tub when there's a blizzard blowing on around you. It's just incredible. The whole place is incredible. We're going to have these exclusive dinners. It is that special a place. And it's easily accessible for everyone from everywhere. Uh, Now, what you choose in terms of, I mean, Dom, the base cost in this trip, I know people are going to be amazed when I ask you this question. And I realize they can choose the the Uber luxury accommodations. I, I actually choose the Boyne Mountain Resort. I actually stay in the lodge itself, which isn't the Uber luxurious. And I love it. They're like they're almost like little mini townhomes in there. They're two story. The first floor, full kitchen and like a couch and TV, and then you go up a set of stairs, and they have the bedrooms upstairs. But can you kind of give us a hint, Dom? At, at, so, what you, well, how you structure this thing in terms of cost for, to participate? Absolutely, we're not gonna. I mean, we're we're as transparent as they get. We want to make stuff like this accessible to everybody. Uh, these trip, these types of trips uh, need to be, and and we want you guys to enjoy this with us. So. You know, at our low price point, you can go for $1,600. And that includes all the stuff Matt talked about. And if you bring, you know, a non-golfing spouse like Matt was mentioning, those non-golf options, that person will literally get basically a, a, a gift card to the resort for the equal amount of money that we are for our golf. So they can have hundreds of dollars on a card, and they can just use whatever they want. They can go and, you know, get spas and rent stuff and go on Shopping, the lake and what, do whatever they want. Do, so. Yeah. Shopping. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. There's an unbelievable amount of stuff you can do. And breakfast is included. And a couple of those huge dinners, one of them is, I don't know if we're going to see the picture while, while Andrew's rolling some of this video, but the, the farewell dinner, if you will, the last dinner that we're going to have as a group is going to be at their, at, I think it's called the Vintage Chop House. Oh, Matt. yes. It's like, it's like yes. at their Bay Harbor Club, like overlooking the lake. Like all this stuff is included in that little price that I mentioned. Yeah, that's so their high-end steakhouse, really. We really want to nice. make it affordable for everybody. But like Matt mentioned, if you want if you want to go all out, we have higher-tier options. If you want fancy-schmancy everything, they've got that too. So it's a huge range, and we just, we just love spending time with you guys. And Matt, like we've said over the years, people leave even more than Christmas card friends. I mean – we talk to people all the time that have been on trips with us in the past. They develop friendships and they do like side trips with each other. And they yeah. go and, you know, they visit each other in other states all the time. Yeah. It's and really they met cool. on our trips. So yeah, it's, it's just, really cool. it's, it's like this family. This trip's about 80% sold out. So if you guys are interested, please log on to fairwaysoflife.com for more information. Fairwaysoflife.com. You'll, there's a pop-up as soon as you go on there that we, that Don put on yesterday so that you guys could get the information quickly and easily. Uh, because this one will definitely sell out too. We are super, super excited about it. Th- those, that price that Dom was 
referencing to you. The only thing I say to that is do your research. Do your research. Pay attention to other trips that are hosted by other people, and you'll see that that one is probably half or less than what you're paying because we don't, Dom and I, the Fairways of Life Show, don't put any profit on our trips. That's not why we do them. We do them to say thank you. We say thank you to you. We say thank you to Boyne for being a part of the Fairways of Life Show. It's just our chance to to hang out with you guys and have a good time. So fairwaysoflife.com for more information on that. Okay, when we come back on the Fairways of Life Show on this Tuesday, we've got a lot more still to go through. As I mentioned, uh, Phil Mickelson spoke. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up. I'm going to read some quotes from Phil, get some reaction to it, give you some observations on my part, see what you guys think. Also, speaking of someone talking while they're playing, Max Homa. I'm curious what you guys thought about Max Homa being essentially mic'd up, even though it was a little earpiece uh, that he was wearing the little airbed uh, last week. And did you like it? Do you think there should be more of it? I, I, I thought it was great. I was Here I am looking at the wrong camera the whole time. Boom goes a dynamite again. And looking this way, we were talking about that before we run on the air today. Boom goes a dynamite. And getting a good laugh out of it. Actually, had Dom look up. Dom, what would you say? The, uh, I remember his last name is Collins, right? Was it Brian Collins? Yeah, Brian Collins. He was a uh, for anybody who grew up in multimedia, like like I did, like Andrew back there, our technical director did. It's a very famous YouTube clip of a college student at Ball State just viciously struggling to do a report on a basketball game, <laughs> and we found the video, and I was laughing at laughing before the show came, just reliving memories but we decided to look him up his name is brian collins he went to ball state and the guy bless his heart still in the biz (laughs) didn't stop him didn't deter him he's like a content journalist or something and i think he's in uh i think he's in ohio now so he did some he did some tv work in texas and then he, he now he's doing stuff in ohio but it's just once you get the bug matt of doing what we're doing like Matt and I talk about all the time, like these live shows that we're doing here every day, Matt and I are kind of doing this anyway, like even on our days off, like this is sometimes what we do on Saturday morning. We just don't have cameras rolling. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's just how it goes. You can't, you can't get it out of your system. Once no, you start I, doing I used it, to say that can't... even when we are on the radio side, because on the radio side, they had, a, they had tons more commercials. So we were, we were constantly going to breaks and, and we had to go to break on these certain cycles, whereas here we can go, we can do whatever we want. And the show never stopped. It just, at one point, the red light's on, and at one point, it's not on. That's just how it goes. Anyway, so we've got a lot coming up for you, and I'm, I'm curious to get your reaction to Max Holm. I'm curious to get your reaction to what Phil Mickelson had to say. And I will definitely, as well, get into uh, that survey again and, and let you know what people are coming back with. Although it looks like, at least early on, the, the voices from the people are saying that there's uh, more than 65% chance, last time we checked it, that Rory McIlroy will be number one entering the Masters. Uh, number two on that list, of course, John Rahm. At, he was around 30%. But I'll, I'll give you an update on it when we come back. More coming up. 
Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Press the green button and start your journey at ireland.com slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. It's as easy as five, two, three. Doesn't get any easier. This Houdini soul is like magic. When you just need to launch it. I wish more of my pro-am partners had these. I wish more of everybody had these. Because golf is hard. So make it easier. Make it five, two, three easier. If there was a trophy for the most forgiving clubs, these would win every year. You want to talk about winning? You know he knows a bit about that. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time so you feel where you are in your golf swing. Transition, plus 4.2 inches. Length of back swing, 50.3 inches. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in the sports, Brian. Yeah. And... Oh, memories, Matt. I love that. My favorite part. So, Hello, that everyone. video, well, for anybody starting team. out in the business, you, you do all of this all day long. This is what you do in college. You just do one like sort of fake broadcast or sometimes the broadcast is going just disseminated just to the campus at large. But my favorite part is the part that no one knows or talks about is he knows how badly it went and the, the, everyone's still doing their broadcast because it's college practice. So the anchors are like, well, thanks for that report. And he's just like, yeah, 
That was a disaster. <laughs> that went well. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. From the sports, Brian. That's great. And yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that Boom went well. That went very well. But I Fast love that he's still man. the business, Matt. That's great. Good. I'm glad he is. I'm glad he is. Okay. So let's find out about the business of Phil Mickelson. So this uh, article, it's making big news. Bob Herrig uh, is the author. It, it, the title, you can find it on uh, sportsillustrated.com. Exclusive Phil Mickelson on Live Golf's second year, his uncertain Ryder Cup future and upcoming majors. And above his signature, Bob writes, in a wide-ranging Q&A, Hall of Famer and Live Golfer discusses how he feels at age 52, his friendships within the world of golf, and a sense of freedom around golf's legal issues. The article starts with Bob basically recapping essentially how we got to where we are with the state of Phil. Uh, interestingly enough, he never mentions the, the interview that Phil did with the conversation that he had with Alan Shipnuck, but he does talk about the interview that preceded it with Sports Illustrated, uh, which, which was done in Europe in, I believe, October, if memory serves me prior, September, October. So then we get into the questions, and it says Sports Illustrated. Again, uh, it's Bob Herrig doing the interview. I believe it was in person, but it's not clear to me because his last sentence of his last paragraph in the lead-up, he said, uh, but Phil Mickelson still had plenty to say as he embarked on his 32nd season as a professional golfer. He'll make his first start in 2023 in Saudi, uh, that's this week, while the Live Golf League schedule is set to begin at the end of February. Here's Here's the point. He agreed to take several questions from SI in a question and answer format. What does that mean? A question and answer format. That would lead me to believe that it was maybe an email. I don't know. It's unclear. I don't know what a question. I mean, I'm in the business and I don't know what a question and answer format is. Am I missing something, Dom? Should I know that? Because isn't every interview a question I, I and answer format? I believe it's just an email exchange. Okay. So let's, let's go with that. All right. Sports Illustrated asked the question. We're basically full circle. What do you make of where we are in the game today? Phil answers, rather than look back, I feel like I have a unique opportunity now to do something that has probably never been done at this stage in a player's career. Sam Snead did a lot of great things in his 50s, but at 52, my body feels great. I had a great offseason. I'm in really good shape, and I never had injuries. I've, I've made changes. I'm just putting last year out of my mind and disengaging. A lot of stuff happened, and I'm refocused on today and starting the year. I'm in every major for the next three years, and I think I have a chance to win one or two more and create those accomplishments that haven't been done at this stage. I feel like I can duplicate Kill. All right, that was the first question and answer from Phil Mickelson. And so Sports Illustrated follows up and says, okay, well, what'd you do this offseason? And he goes, I'm down to my college weight. I'm stronger than I've probably been in my career. I've lost 20-plus pounds. I'm flexible. I'm recovering faster. I'm ready to go. Now I probably wanted to start in Mexico. I probably wanted to take another three weeks off. I'm actually going to play a lot of events. I'm playing 19 events, and I only decided to go to Saudi recently. Uh, then, then he has, as an aside here, the, the author, Mickelson, said he was not contractually obligated to play this week in Saudi, as many live golfers are, close. And then back to Phil's quotes, I really wanted to be ready by Mexico. Uh, I'm close to where I want to be. And so SIS, did the break last year 
take more of a toll on your game than you thought. And Phil said, I haven't dwelled on it. A lot of things transpired that led me to not playing well. It's different now. Three months off was game-changing. I maybe needed the time to rejuvenate and regenerate, and it might be just my age. Now that I've had this time off, I'm ready to have a special year and do some things that have never been done by a player my age. That's really what's driving me. It's a unique opportunity uh, nobody else has ever had. So at this point, just to make a few observations, I've told you guys in the past about what the rules of engagement were. For In fairness, not only Phil, but Tiger was the same way for at least the two decades preceding where we are right now. And the rules of engagement basically were you didn't push too much, you didn't dig too much, because if you did, you'd be cut off from access. Not, it may not be overt, it's just it would be more difficult to get the things done you needed to get done. Now, if you were a golf journalist during that period, not being able to get to the two biggest stories in the game is a problem. When you heard from Phil, Phil's template was always the same until he was revealed with everything that took place now going a year ago when he had his mea culpa and et cetera. Uh, And Phil has always been, there's always an agenda when he speaks. The the way that it works with Phil, and, and again, and I'm, I'm trying to be balanced on this because Tiger is very much the same way. I'm trying not to, to judge it as being adverse. It just is what it is. They want to define the story. If they're speaking with a journalist at whatever level and whatever medium, they want to define what the story is that's written about them. So it's clear right now that coming into this, Phil Mickelson wants the story to be I have the opportunity to do something as the oldest major championship winner to do something that's never been done before in the history of the game. To win at the oldest that any player has ever won a major championship. And he's obviously focusing on the major championship. He gets asked about ever playing in a PGA Tour event again and he kind of shrugs his shoulders and paraphrasing and goes, what difference would that make? Not disparagingly, but with all the wins that he has, what would one more win mean on the PGA Tour as compared to to measuring himself against the greats with major championships, of which he now has six. But it is classic Phil in that what Phil does is you take the question to him, he redirect he's going to redirect it if he has to, and that redirection will be the story about Phil Mickelson is a story about Phil Mickelson that's in better shape, playing better, has a better outlook, more prepared, more enthusiastic, et cetera, et cetera. And if the theme sounds familiar, it is. That's, that's, that's Phil. So you could, you could tell the way that he's attempting to, to shape the message. And frankly, in the past, Phil has been immensely successful at it. One, because the vast majority of people took Phil at his word and said, well, if Phil says this, this, this is clearly something that's either important or something that he firmly believes. Uh, it was only later that people found out, no, sometimes he'll, he'll say and do things that, that are a part of an agenda that's outside of what you think is the obvious. So, SI then asks, did, you, did the break last year take more of a toll in the game than, than you thought it? Well, I, took, I read that one. I'm sorry, he said he didn't dwell on it. Let me go to the next question. 
Do you still maintain good relationship with players who did not go to live? Are there any that you still practice with? I'm not going to read this paragraph because basically what Phil said here is my friends are still my really good friends. And the people who are not my friends never really were. They were more or less acquaintances. Uh, And then he goes on to say that no one really has said anything cruel to him or nasty to him, my word, uh, since it took place, which I thought was interesting. He did mention that, you know, we saw some things in social media, et cetera. But I just thought it was interesting because it, it would lead me to believe that when Phil went into his hiatus, probably rightfully so for him, for his own mental health, he stopped paying attention to anything because the reality was that players were not being kind to him in public forums. I'm not just talking about social media. Remember when uh, Billy Horschel was on here? It made national news because when he was on the Fairways of Life show with the comments that he was making about Phil Mickelson. That's just not a passing social media mention. This is someone looking into a camera and going, oh, this is what I think about Phil, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was definitely, you could definitely consider it negative. Uh, depending on your perspective, I'm not going to say it's wrong. I'm just saying it was definitely negative. So from that standpoint, I thought that was an interesting perspective of Phil going, no, I haven't heard anything negative from anybody. I know there's some social media stuff going on out there, which I just thought it was interesting. Again, maybe that's an attempt to shape the story, but I don't think it was in that case. I think he was just honestly answering as to what he knew or saw. And I think that Phil, uh, which he's always done this, had walls built around him. I think the walls that he built around him in this case were probably pretty important to have. Because he was asked about, has he felt any animosity? That was in very next paragraphs. Same, same continuation of message from him. Because the last sentence in that paragraph was, I see comments on social media and such, but nothing else. Uh, there was a lot else, but regardless, he didn't see him, so he said. It's, uh, Sports Illustrator is asking another question here. Do you wonder about the possibility of never playing in another PGA Tour event? And that's where I was telling you where his answer to that was, you know what, I'm, I'm playing a ton already. I'm playing 19 events. I don't think I'd even have time to play in a PGA Tour event. You know, with the majors that he's exempt into, et cetera. And then he goes, he goes into his primary message point again. Phil's very good at this. Second paragraph, he goes, but I'm motivated and I'm excited to get started. All these things create new energy. Having teammates to push each other, I'm motivated. How many times has he said that, right? But I don't see the benefit to playing more. And I don't have a problem with him saying that, frankly. That, but that's, it's, again, it's clear to me that in this Q&A, I'm not sure if Phil thought a separate article was going to be written based upon this interview. He's defining, attempting to define that article. That is Phil. And again, I'm not judging it as good or bad. I'm just telling you that's, that's in my experience, how he operates. So he says again, I'm motivated. But I don't see the, the benefit of playing more. There he's talking about the PGA Tour. He said, determines you're going to leave your mark on our majors. That creates life memories. If I win another tour event, who cares? It's not like it's going to do anything for how I look at my career. Another major would be a unique special moment. That's really where I want to thrive. And sure, it would mean a lot to win some live events because of the role I've played as it's been created. Then SI asked him, what about the Ryder Cup? Again, you can find this at SI.com. Bob Herod, the author. What about the Ryder Cup? There was a time when you were a lock to be the U.S. captain. He says, I'm totally comfortable. I've loved being a part of the Ryder Cup as a player 12 times and as a vice captain once. Again, what's interesting about that 
the question has to be asked. To have that prominent a role with the United States Ryder Cup team, 12 times as a player, to one time be asked to be a vice captain. Isn't that interesting? He continues, I've had more experiences than probably anybody. If I'm not a part of it, I'm at peace with that as well, and I'm proud of the role that I played in that. And the role in creating change in integrating player input and involvement, having more continuity from year to year, I like seeing his play our best golf in the Ryder Cup, even if it's not ever, even if I'm not ever a part of it again. When he talks about the role in creating change, again, that was a classic way that Phil did it. Now, at the time that he did it, he was Phil Mickelson at the height of his prowess. And as a lot of people like to say, he threw Tom Watson under the bus at Glen Eagles, but played it out and was a part of the committee and was even kind of the spokesman, if you remember, of what was initially called the task force, now committee. And then seemingly he, he apparently wasn't continued in the inner circle, as far as we could see, reference back to the, to the ledger that he shared earlier in those comments, 12 times as a player once as a vice captain. All right, he asked, how much are you looking forward to the Masters? He says, I really do love the Masters and how it gives kids at a young age something to dream about and aspire to. It's a very special place that brings out emotions and excitement. I'm looking, to, I'm looking to forward to going back and being a part of it. He asked if he fears any uneasiness or awkwardness at the Champions Dinner. He said there could well be, but not on my part. He says, I feel very, feel very comfortable with where I'm at. I bet to be a fly in the wall in that room would be interesting. He gets asked, what are you looking forward to most about the coming live golf season? And he basically, at, at this point, uh, as, as a PGA Tour player would do about the PGA Tour, he kind of gives you the, a, a very good marketing perspective from live. He says, I certainly like how we're bringing golf to different parts of the world. And Liv has some of the greatest characters in the game, controversial characters, good and bad, love them or hate them. People are interested in them positively or negatively. I agree with him. This team element pushes us to get better. It takes away this isolated, lonely, everyman experience that golf has had for decades. That, uh, that's a little bit of a stretch. I, I, I don't know how much touring professionals that aspire to play professional golf look upon it as an isolated, lonely, everyman experience that golf has had for decades. Or would you say from the beginning? Continuing, this is actually pushing me to work harder we're pushing each other on the high flyers to work hard to be our best. And then it notes that Mickelson declined the name the other three members of his team as it will be announced the week of the first event. Fair enough. SI asked, the team aspect of live is such a big part of the model. Is What is it about it that you like? And he, he re- reiterates again that they have their own identities, like these earlier comments. And he says you're pushing yourself to be your best because there's other people depending on you. Paraphrase. He was asked this, and this is interesting because I think he revealed information here that we didn't have otherwise. SI asked him, what do you make of the TV deal with the CW network? Phil answered, I think it's favorable. You can find this interview at SI.com by Bob Herrick. It's very difficult to have a relationship with a network that has a commitment to other sports and priorities. This is classic Phil. Understand what's happening here. He plants the seed and then lets it germinate. He starts with the sentence saying it's very difficult to have a relationship with a network that has a commitment to other sports and priorities. He's clearly talking about the other major networks. 
of which all ESPN associated with the PGA Tour, CBS and NBC associated with the PGA Tour. Those are the three biggies. Fox, as far as we know, they had a conversation. We were the, again, it's rumor that Fox wasn't interested. Don't know if it's true. So Phil starts out with he he lays a premise on there that he wants to become the groundwork of the conversation, that it's very difficult to have a relationship with a network that has a commitment to other sports and priorities. If he's talking about those networks that have a commitment to a relationship with the PGA Tour, it's hard to argue with that. CW has a chance to cover all of our 14 events, putting us first. They have a younger demographic, which is what we want. They wanted to get into sports, and now they have a shot at live golf. It's a two-year deal. This is where it gets interesting. All that other stuff he was saying makes sense. Okay, that's CW's objective. Then he goes into this. It's a two-year deal. One, we didn't know. As far as I know, nobody knew it was a two-year deal, right? So he says it's a two-year deal. The first deal is not going to be a blockbuster. Interesting. Again, Phil is absolutely genius at getting out in front of things. Now, he had a a very notable failure in, in such regard just over a year ago. Uh, granted, I, I grant that. But what he's doing with this is he's saying to the world before it gets revealed through um, some other sources or anonymous sources, et cetera, is he's going, whoa, 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 look, the first deal, it's a two-year deal, and the first one's not going to be blockbuster. So don't come to us and say, hey, did they give you guys a billion-dollar rights fee? He's like, take it easy. We're trying to build a relationship here with somebody that wants to get into sports. It's not going to be blockbuster. He continues and says, it's short enough time to where we can prove ourselves and get it, then get a much stronger and more lucrative deal. Which is interesting because he lays it right out there what their agenda is. If it were a longer deal, it might be better for them and investing in our product. But having it two years sets us up for a bigger deal. I just thought it was really interesting. And I, I, I think in that case, uh, because it, it wasn't so much about Phil, the, the marketing genius, this was about something outside of him. It was about the, the television deal with CW Network. He actually was very revealing there. And he gave us information that we didn't know and didn't have before. He even told us what the agenda was of the league. To say, yeah, we know it's not a huge deal, but we, it's a shorter term deliberately so we can prove ourselves. Okay. This is another really interesting give and take. Bob Herrig of SI, find this article at SI.com, asks, any sense on what might happen with Live Golf getting official World Golf ranking points? Phil answers accordingly. There will probably be another ranking system that is more, a more credible system as it includes all golfers in the world. Let me repeat that again. There will probably be another ranking system that is more credible system as it includes all golfers in the world. This one has lost any credibility. I wouldn't be surprised if tournaments stopped using it as a criteria for qualifying. I think it is ultimately hurting the tournaments more than the players. If you're a major championship and you're using it as a qualifying factor and you're taking a system that is not getting all the best players in the field, it hurts the tournament more. That's why you might see tournaments go away from it as a qualifying criteria or have a new ranking system. That is such a major comment from Phil. Again, it's classic Phil 101. He's laying it out there, hoping that it would germinate and bloom on its own. So it's, it's very much like 
politicians do. Very, very similar to uh, some that have run and, and been elected president in terms of how, how they, they approach concepts. When you think about what he's saying, however, there is merit to it. Even if you hate live, don't get me wrong here. I'm not, I'm not trying to take a side in this thing. I'm trying to analyze his words so we can learn from it or understand it better. What he's basically saying is, if you have a system where top-ranked players who otherwise would have been in the majors easily are not in the majors because of where they're playing golf right now, then two things. One is, is that system creating an opportunity for competition that includes all the best players in the world? Just yes or no, not the why. Just yes or no. Now when you get to the why, the why does include the give and take that goes into if you want ranking points, what do you have to do to make sure that you get them based on the criteria of the official world golf ranking system? And is the official world golf ranking system at risk? Because remember, we've had this debate many times at the top, top end of the rankings right now with what John Rahm has been doing th- since August and all the rest. The survey that I put out this morning about who's going to be number one come Masters time, right? And pretty much all the leading voices in the game, save in fairness Rory McIlroy, has said, yeah, there's a problem with the way the rankings are working at the top. Phil's saying there's a problem with the way the rankings are working, period, because they're not giving world ranking points to a major tour in the world that has players that otherwise would be exempt in the majors if they were given the points. Again, I recognize that there's another side of this argument to say, well, well, you're not going to get the points if you don't meet all the criteria of the official world golf rankings. That's, I get all that. And I'm not trying to make a judgment on it. I'm just laying it out there. This is a really interesting thing. I haven't heard that somewhere is there someone squirreled away working on a new ranking system. But since we already know the template of the existing ranking system, I'm not sure it would be that hard for someone to come up with a new one. Would that new one be greeted with credibility and be adopted is another major question. And I don't think the answers to these questions that Phil presented nor or I am repositioning and asking uh, are something that's going to be answered anytime soon. Do you? SI asked, at times you've been outspoken about the issues facing golf and the PGA Tour. Now there's lawsuits. There's a DOJ investigation. How do you see this playing out? Phil says, given my emotional investment in professional golf, it's impossible for me to ignore a lot of the things I'm aware of. Again, let that settle for a second. Given my emotional investment in professional golf, meaning that he's outspoken and and he wants things to be the way that he wants them to be. Get it. It's impossible for me to ignore a lot of things that I am aware of. Again, the inference being that there are things happening, perhaps even behind the scenes, that would not be exposed had not Phil stepped up and said what he said, or have yet to be exposed that he's aware of. Unclear there. Knowing there is going to be accountability and it's not going to have to be from me has been a huge weight off my shoulders, okay? I don't know why I took it on. It bothered me so much, and it's because of what I know. I feel this freedom now that kind of lets me go out of that and to focus on what I truly love and what I'm excited about. And that's all being dealt with, and it doesn't have to be from me. Now, I'm assuming all of that is to say there's going to be court action. I mean, will this get to a point that there's actual trial going on? No idea. 
But I think what Phil is referencing there is whether it's through the discovery process or whether it is to a trial itself, all these things are going to be revealed. So people are going to know. So he doesn't have to be the voice of it. Uh, and, and one of the things that he said earlier relative to that, when, they, when they, Bob asked him about how he was being received by other players, and he was like, you can't believe all the players that I have coming up to me and saying thank you. Because things have changed on the PGA Tour. And anybody would be naive to suggest that these things that have changed on the PGA Tour, uh, and I would venture to say made the PGA Tour better and stronger, but those things were definitely prompted by competition, definitely prompted by live golf. Now, whether they were prompted by Phil Mickelson in particular, I'm not so sure about that. I think he probably had a part to play in it. There's no doubt about that. But I, if I had to, if someone said to me, "No, you got to come up with a, with the with what you think the real answer is," I would venture to say, when multiple star players left the PGA Tour to go to live, that was when everybody knew, okay, this is something really serious because everyone knew that Phil was a part of live. Phil himself, through Alan or, or comments that he made in, to Sports Illustrated uh, a year ago, October, everybody knew that he was part of Liv. Everybody knew that he was part of helping Liv get started. He said it. He was helping structure the league. We knew all that. It was the march after that that Jay Monahan said at the players that we're moving on. Right? Which, frankly, they couldn't move on. They haven't moved on. The world of golf hasn't moved on because as much as what Phil did caused tremendous damage, as, as said by Liv Golf and Greg Norman, that where they were ready to launch and they stopped and they delayed everything because it did a lot of damage. Words have meaning. And at that point, the very next month, it was the PGA Tour. And I think they probably looked, this is me. My observation probably looked at Liv at that point and said, you know what, I'm not even going to call it a sinking ship because it hasn't even taken float yet. We're moving on. Well, that's not what happened. What happened was billions of dollars make a difference. And I think when many really high-profile, big-name players went to Liv, I think that's when the real spark was put to flame. I think that's when... The tour said, okay, we need to do something to make sure we try to stem the tide here. We need to make some changes and we need to make them fast. But from the perspective of saying, were these changes prompted by Liv? Yeah. My view is 100% they were. Uh, and, if, and if players or fans see Phil Mickelson as the one that started all that, okay. He said, he said a lot of players have come up and thanked him for it. So... All in all, that, those are my observations on, on Phil Mickelson. Much of this, I saw a lot of really scathing negative stuff. I saw not, not as much positive stuff, but I mean, that's kind of the nature of social media, isn't it? It tends to, it tends to skew negative. Uh, a lot of people were saying it was a lot of fluff that didn't say anything. There were some things in there that Phil did say that were substantial, that we didn't know. But overall, my overall impression was it was classic Phil. Look, Phil's back out there on Twitter again this past weekend. He was doing a ton of message points. I think Phil is trying to reclaim that position where he is a marketing genius, where he's the smartest guy in the room, where Phil mentions something to you, even if it seems in passing, and he knows that there's, there's a lot more significance to what he just said 
in terms of its impact and what he hopes will be the impact of what he just said than some passing comment. That's classic Phil. Phil has always had an agenda when he spoke, and again, you're going to hear that. Whenever you say that about someone, it sounds negative. I don't mean it to sound negative with Phil. I mean it to sound factual. And so you can find that article at sportsillustrated.com by Bob Herrick. I was only jumping through and picking bits and pieces that I thought were of particular interest. All right, the Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore. PGATourSuperstore.com is a great place to get started, so you can see all of the great products that are available in the marketplace in 2023, most of which, the vast majority of which, dare say all, you can go in and get fit for right now at your PGA Tour Superstore, even if they're not coming to the marketplace for another couple of weeks. PGATourSuperstore.com, again, is a great place to get started. The Wiz Golf is also a presenting sponsor of the Fairways of Life show. This is a wearable device that measures your golf swing in real time and space. It is absolutely remarkable. It's so unique. There's literally nothing else like it. Literally nothing else like it. Let that sit in for a second. So you can know. You know how they say feel isn't real? Well, now you can know your swing like you've never known it before. Play better golf than you've ever played before, all because of this technology on your wrist and the feedback that you get from it. DeWizGolf.com for more information. We'll have more of the Fairways of Life show after this, and we'll talk about uh, another interaction between player and the masses. Max Homa was live during a PGA Tour event. What would you think of it? We'll find out after this. I guess, hello world, huh? (laughs) And with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boeinggolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time so you feel where you are in your golf swing. Transition plus four point two inches. Length of back swing fifteen point three inches. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. 
Flake PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Press the green button and start your journey at ireland.com slash golf. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. So that survey that I put out earlier today, who will be world number one entering the Masters? It's now up to, here's the numbers coming in now. This is to the second. Rory McIlroy, 63%, so you say. John Rahm, 33%. Scotty Scheffler, 1%. It's interesting. Scotty's going down. And then other 3%. And I think, I think a, a message came in on, on our YouTube feed because there's constant messages coming in there. And Dom tells me about it once in a while. He said, you know, it's, it's Cam Smith should be listed on that. But, of course, he's not because he's not getting the world ranking points, which we were just talking about. So it is interesting. You know, and that, that debate's going to continue to rage. It's going to absolutely continue to rage. So the, the other thing I want to talk to you about before we run out of time here today, Max Homa, uh, he was wearing his little, little Airbud this week, mic'd up, as they say, in the business, right? And on a par five, he was asked about that. He was asked about the experience. He was asked about whether he thought other players should give it a try to do the same thing. Here's what Max had to say. Hopefully. Uh, I've been working on this with Pazzer and CBS and, and everybody for like two months. Uh, I'm very excited about the idea. I'm sure we could tweak things for how other people want to do it, how, how other players want to do it. Um, if they don't want to do it, I'll keep doing it. It didn't uh, bother me. Uh, I thought it was great for the fans. Uh, I'm looking to push that envelope for the fans, uh, not just myself, but just you know the tour seems to be CBS, NBC, all these broadcasting streams seem to be wanting to add something to the viewing experience. Uh, but it was great. It was cool to win after doing it. You know, you always hear people say, oh, Tiger would never do this. Ron would never do this. All they care about is winning. And I get that, but I, you can do both. You, I, I, that was definitely nice to win doing that yesterday. It was 20 minutes. It was not invasive. I, I even thought if you don't want to do the interview with the people in the, in the booth, uh, they could just be in your ear or in your caddy's ear so they could hear us really clearly. Um, so there's definitely little things we could do here and there. I'm hoping other players will want to do it. I haven't heard yet. I mean, we were, you know, coming off the third round into the fourth. We don't really talk about too much of that stuff yet. But hopefully other players want to do it. Um, I'm sure there's, there's uh, some interest in it, uh, whether I, I won or didn't. So um, hopefully we can kind of keep pushing that or tweak it and, and just anything to, to help golf kind of gain some uh, attraction to uh, all the viewers hopefully a little bit younger than our typical audience. I think that's what, what the goal is. So Max Holman talking about why he did it and the hope that other players will do it. He spoke specifically about, you know, I guess paraphrasing criticism saying, and I'm looking at his exact quote, you always hear people say, quote, you always hear people say, 
Tiger would never do this. Rom would never do this. All they care about is winning. I get that, but you can do both. I think what really made this so significant is the fact, obviously, A, that he did it, but B, he won in the week that he did it. If he didn't and hadn't won, it still would have been awesome that he did it because from a fan's perspective, I'm not sure if you guys got a chance to see it. I loved it. I thought it was great to hear from players, and it's something that other sports are already doing. You hear from the managers in, in the middle of an inning, and it's just it's, it, it's pervasive in other sports. However, I do think in fairness to other players, it shouldn't be something that even if it catches on, and I really hope it does, it still should be something that players can make a choice as to whether or not they choose to be a part of it. I don't think it's something that should be mandated. I don't think it's something that should be automatic. Uh, because if, if he's right, and as he mentioned, you know, Tiger would never do this, or Ron would never do this, he wasn't speaking for himself. He was speaking for what critics would say to him. All they care about is winning. He, gets, he says, I get that, but you can do both. Uh, some players, I think, would choose not to. And I would say we should probably respect that. We should respect that. Because if it was, again, you look at someone like Tiger and go, okay, with Tiger's focus, would he have wanted to take, at the height of his powers, would he have wanted to take the time to have an earpiece in and and talk to someone about what he's doing? Uh, And let me just give you another example with that. Do you think Ben Hogan would have done that? However, having said that, I think Arnold Palmer would have. I don't think Jack Nicklaus would have. Thankfully, Jack Nicklaus is around, and we could probably ask him that question, but I, I wouldn't get the impression that he would have. Tom Watson, I think, would have been kind of 50-50, maybe early in the week, but I'm not even sure he would have done it at, at the absolute height of his career. So, And I'm not suggesting to you that the greats of the great wouldn't do it and others would. What I'm suggesting to you is that whether you are willing to do a live walk-and-talk during a round is directly dependent upon your personality. And whether it would or would not have an impact on your game, positive or negative, again, is directly related to your personality. And there are plenty of players in the game right now that have the personalities that would be great at it. You know, obviously Max Holm was one of them. He's, you know, Dom loves to use the term an, an open book. Nobody's more of an open book right now in golf than Max Holm. He's great. He takes us along for the ride everywhere. And it's fun. I think Joel Damon would absolutely be great at it. So I think there's a lot of players that, that could, could definitely do it, definitely engage in it, and it would be awesome. But the idea that everyone has to do it, no, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. I think if a player's ask and they agree, more power to it. Because right now, the, the way, up until now, the way it was was to say it was kind of an all or nothing. And they'd say to players, do you guys want to do, you know, be live mic'd during the round? And there was enough players going, no, I'm not doing that, that they didn't do it at all. And I don't think that's the right answer either. I'm hoping that what this is a reflection of is that golf is kind of loosening up a little bit as far as that goes, worrying a little bit less about, because everything was was about how the, the players were perceived, the image of how players were perceived. And, it, and it's been a source of criticism over the years that there's too much coddling. There's too much building of, 
of images, in some cases facades, although I don't think it's much of a facade because the, 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 the golfers, by and large, are really good guys. They just are. So don't worry about them so much about what they're going to say or what they're going to do. In this case, you're a lot less apt to hear them scream some obscenity because they're having a conversation versus just putting a microphone on someone, which they do do, and they hit a bad shot and you hear it. Which, again, I'm not saying I have a problem with that. That's sports, that's life, that's reality, that's who we are. What do you say when you're on the golf course? But the chance that we can actually hear from players now is something that I think should be absolutely embraced. And for, for Max Homa to do it in a PGA Tour event that he later went on to win is absolutely awesome. So long may it continue. And if it works for players, it works for players. And if it doesn't work for individual players, I think we should respect that too. All right, guys, thank you so much for your company today in the Fairways of Life show. Always a pleasure to have your company. Don't forget to check out pxg.com and all of their amazing products, including their new Gen 5 product, because nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period at PXG. I hope you guys have a great Tuesday. Looking forward to your company tomorrow. We get a lot more to talk about, uh, about the field in Saudi versus what's going on at Pebble Beach. What is going on at Pebble Beach in terms of the celebrities in the field as well. I want to go through with you. I promise that today we ran out of time. We'll get to it in tomorrow's show in much, much more. Until then, thank you and goodbye for now.